Amen. So, one of the things that amuses me about the 4th of July is this, that just about every year, someone says to me, do you have the 4th of July in England? <laughs> and I, 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 I think it's kind of ironic that this Englishman who came over here from Scotland has then to tell an American a little bit about their history. <laughs> right? So it's like, no, let's just think about what the 4th of July is all about, okay? So the British thought they still owned the people who had colonized the United States and they gave them no rights. The British still ruled over them. They still imposed heavy taxes upon them. And there came a point when the, the colonists said, uh, that's enough. And they very bravely withstood what was then the strongest country with the mightiest military in the world and said, we're not British anymore. We are now the United States of America. And that was, it was a huge step. And of course, the Declaration of Independence was actually signed on this particular date. There's an interesting thing, and I, I in, in the preamble, because I got to catch up, right? Because I, was, I lived in the UK for 41 years of my life, so I've had to catch up with, with American history and stuff. So if I get some of this right, do educate me afterwards, all right? But do it nicely, okay? So, but, but, but the whole thing, you know, the Declaration of Independence, you've got the introduction, you've got the the uh, complaints against the king, and then basically you've got the Declaration of Independence that comes at the end. But in the introduction, there's that interesting phrase which talks about the equal station to which the laws of nature and, and nature's God entitle them. And it's like the Founding Fathers were saying, this is how we believe God wants us to live. And there are a number of things that are in that declaration that really do emphasize biblical principles. So you, you all know this. So they say right at the beginning, after that introduction, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. equal. Good, I'm glad you got that one. All right, that all men are created equal. So why am I talking about that on a Sunday? This is a church worship service. It's not a lesson on the Constitution or the Declaration of Independence or the history of America. Well, I'm doing that for this reason. That statement within the Declaration of Independence is actually a huge statement of biblical truth. All men are created equal. And if you read through some of the Bible's teaching and stories from cover to cover, you will find that same truth comes out over and over again. The wonderful thing here this morning is we look around and we are all so different. But the fact is we are all equal. We're all different in a hundred different ways, a thousand different ways. But the fact is... There's not a single person in this room that is more valuable than any other person. 
There's not a single person walking this earth who is more important than another person is. And I'll tell you one good reason. I'll tell you, because here's how it started. It started with this. We were created by God. All men are created equal. We were all created by God. So basically, our origins are all the same. In the book of Job, chapter 33, and verse 4, it says this, the Spirit of God has made me, the breath of the Almighty gives me life. The Spirit of God has made me, the breath of the Almighty gives me life. Now, you may say, look, I studied biology at school. I know how it happens. No, no, there is no life but with God. There is no life but with God. In fact, in in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, it says this, the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Whatever happens biologically, there is no life until God breathes into that tiny form the breath of life. The breath of life. All of us were created by God. And you know the deal, the story of creation. After every day, God said, that's good, that's good, that's good, that's good, that's good. Day six, when he made mankind, he said, that's very good. Yeah. God made every single one of us. I I enjoy cooking, mainly because I enjoy eating even more, but I... (laughs) I, I, enjoy, I enjoy cooking, and my favorite cuisine is Indian food. So uh, I've got a couple I, I, I bought in the last few months. I bought a couple of new Indian cookbooks, and some evenings I'll sit down and I'll just turn the pages and look through the cookbooks. I know it's sad, isn't it? Yeah. All right, so I, and I'll look through, but I'm looking through, and I'm looking at the foods, and I'm checking out the recipes, and then I'll put a mark in that page and think, I'm going to make that one sometime, I'm going to make that one. And then sometimes on a Saturday afternoon when I'm quiet and and nothing else to do, I'll actually make one of those Indian recipes. So a couple of weeks ago, I decided that I would try my favorite Indian dish, which is a little complicated to make, and I hadn't tried before. A biryani is an incredibly tasty dish. It has so many different spices. And um, it's, it's a dish that, that actually is served in, in, in India in weddings and special occasions like that. And so I bought all of the different individual obscure spices, got everything ready, set everything up, and uh, went through step by step through the recipe, put it into the oven, left it to bake, and could not wait for dinner time. And a biryani dish, you cook the whole thing together in a pot, and the rice is in there, and the chicken is in there, and all the other stuff, and all the spice, it's all in the oven. I took it out of the oven. The smell was unbelievable. The chicken was so overcooked, it was (laughs) inedible, and the rice was so undercooked, you could use it as a weapon. It was a massive fail and disappointment. I made some real good dishes, says he humbly, from those cookbooks, but that was a disaster. God never made one disaster. 
in the whole of his history. God breathed into your nostrils the breath of life. And you are here today, and I am here today because God made us. And God made you the way you are because there was not a you in this world and he wanted there to be one. All men are created equal. We are created by God. And then also think about this. Not only are we created by God, but in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, it says this. It says, we are God's handiwork. So there's the foundational principle. We are God's handiwork. God made us. But that verse goes on and says, we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. So not only did God make us all, God made us all with a God-given purpose. Every single one of us, we are created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. All men are created equal. We are all created by God and we are all created with God-given purpose. In Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 7, it, it says this, Bring all who claim me as their God, for I have made them for my glory. It was I who created them. God said, I made them for my glory. God made you and me so that we would bring him glory. I'll put that in plain English. God made you and I so that we would make him look good. Right? Now, that's not arrogance or pride on God's part, but, but that was the whole point, that we would bring glory to God so that people would see us and say, whoa, God's good. That's a heavy responsibility to live with, by the way, because we've all met the people who we look at and thought, if that's what God's like, no thank you. <laughs> Tell the truth, you're in church, right? But God made us because what God wants for us is, is, is God, God wants us to show his love. God wants us to show his nature. God wants us to show his character to others. God wants people to see him in us and through us. When Jesus came to earth, Jesus came to show us what the Father is like. When Jesus went back to heaven, he asked us to carry on his work of showing people what the Father is like. Every one of us has got a God-given purpose in this world. And our God-given purpose in the simplest of terms is to show people what God's like. It's to bring some God into their lives. I didn't say preach at them. I said show them. Show people what God is like. Loving, generous, forgiving, kind, so that people will see him in us. Ephesians 1.12 says God has blessed us in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, we might be for the praise of his glory. 
so that we might be the cause of people praising God and giving God glory. All men are created equal. We all have a God-given purpose. But there's something else that we all have in common too, and it's not such a positive thing. We all need God. Now, that's a positive thing, actually. You're recognizing it is. But it comes out of this. In Romans chapter 3 and verse 10, the Bible tells us this. It says, there's nobody living right. <laughs> Hello? All men are created equal. The Bible says there's nobody living right. Not even one. Nobody who knows the score. Nobody alert for God. They've all taken the wrong turn. They've all turned down blind alleys. No one's living right. I can't find a single one. Or as Romans 3.23 puts it very succinctly, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's all of us too. Are you with me there? You went quiet on this one. But that's true as well, isn't it? All of us are equal. All of us are equal. There's none of us with anything really to brag about about ourselves. There's none of us really with anything that we can, you know, that, that, that we can uh, put out in front of others and say, so you see, this is how I am. This is why I'm so good. This is what makes me so wonderful. Now, the Bible says, look, everybody's sinned and fallen short of God's glory. We're all created equal. But don't stop there because there's good news. I'm keeping going. All right. So here's the, here's the next thing I want to remind you of this. Christ died for us all. Christ died for us all. All created equal, created by God, created for God, all fallen short of what God would want of us. But thank God, the great news of the gospel is that Christ died for us all. 1 John 2 verse 2 says this, He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. And today, we can worship God as our Father. Today, we can stand before God unashamed and unafraid because Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. There is salvation for all who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. All men are created equal. Very often we, we kind of, you know, we, we, just, we put the value of something on kind of, well, how much does it cost? So if you're to line up three cars and, and you know, you've got, um, you've got a beat up old, and, and I'm gonna leave that blank because some of you might be driving that model right now. <laughs> And it's, it's all good. It's like, let's see how many people I can offend in one statement. Uh, but, but you know what? So you might be looking at that and it's like, it's, you know, it's got a couple hundred thousand on the clock and it's held together with duct tape, but thank God it's holding together. And so you'd say, you know, how much is that one worth? <laughs> that one's probably worth about 200 bucks. And then you might look at another car and, and that's, you know, that's, that's a new car and it's, um, it's, it's a moderately priced new car, no model mentioned here. And, and, then, and then you might look along the line and there's a Tesla. Uh, I didn't see any of those in the parking lot, but if you do, give me a ride. Um, so, 
But basically, you know, their, their worth is not just about their looks and everything else, but, but, but it's about, you know, what, what would they cost? What would that cost you? So the Tesla comes out on top because it would cost the most. I hear it's rather fancy too, but it costs the most. If you look around this room this morning, every single person here is of equal value to God because He paid the same price for every one of us. Jesus died. Jesus died. Same price was paid for your salvation and for my salvation. We are all of equal value to God. All men are created equal. And if you are sitting in house today watching us online, and you've never come to fully grasp and respond to the God who created you, the God who has a purpose for you, the God who died to forgive you for your sin so you could be reconciled to Him. My prayer that today will be the day when you turn from independent living to living in dependence upon the God who loves you and the Christ who died for you. All men are created equal. And, and then our, our founding fathers went on and they, they, they said that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable, that's a great word, isn't it? Let's try to say it again. With certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Patrick Henry made a great statement at one time. He said this, it cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often that this great nation was founded not by religionists, but by Christians, not on religions, but on the gospel of Jesus Christ. And here's the truth we need to recognize. Government may protect the right to the pursuit of life liberty and happiness, but government can't give them. Only Jesus can give you life, liberty, and happiness. Those will only ever be found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Life can only be found in Jesus. In John's Gospel, chapter 10 and verse 10, Jesus made this declaration. He said, a thief is only there to steal, kill, and destroy. I came so that they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. And the great news on this 4th of July is this. You will find true life. You won't find true life because you're living in America. You find true life when you get into relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the secret to life. Relationship with Jesus. That is what the earliest settlers were looking for when they came here. This nation was born in an atmosphere of God, not an atmosphere of gold. In fact, the hardy souls who sailed the Mayflower in 1620 were fleeing, remember, from religious tyranny and oppression. And in the Mayflower Compact that they signed under the swinging lanterns of the cabin of their ship, 
they proclaimed this, that they had come to the new world for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith. The glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith. Now, when I came to these shores in 1991, I flew into JFK and I had a house and a job and an income all ready for me. So it was pretty good. But they didn't. Their faith was so important to them that they ventured everything into the unknown. They had nothing to come to, nothing assured, just that they knew they'd be free to worship God. And when it came down to it, being free to worship God was something worth risking life and limb over. And so they settled. In 1643, more and more people were arriving on these shores. They joined together to form the New England Confederation, and they wrote a constitution, the first constitution written in the New World. And it began with these words. We all came into these parts with one and the same end and aim, namely to advance the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ and to enjoy the liberties of the gospel in purity and in peace. That is the life they were looking for. The life they were looking for was a life where they could love God, serve God, worship God in freedom. Life is found in Jesus. Their faith was not incidental. They weren't in church when it worked out and was convenient, by the way. It was the center of their lives. They risked their lives for the privilege of worshiping the God they served. There's a great phrase in Colossians 3.14. It speaks of Christ who is your life. And I'm going to tell you today, when Christ is your life, you start living. Not an extra, not an appendage, not somebody to call upon in a difficult situation, but when Christ is our life. Life is one of the inalienable rights. Liberty. Galatians 5 verse 1, Christ has set us free to live a free life, so take your stand. Never again let anyone put a harness of slavery upon you. Freedom is found in Jesus. Freedom to live the life God wants you to live. Freedom to become the person that you want to be and that he wants you to be. Freedom from the things that pull you back. Freedom from the things that make you ashamed. Freedom from the things you, you don't want to be a part of your life. Freedom is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ sets us free to live free. And all around this room this morning, there are so many of you. And your testimony, I know, is that Christ set you free. He set you free from a life that had you shackled. He set you free from your doubt. He set you free from your hopelessness. He set you free from your despair. He set you free from your addictions. And Christ changed your life. And folks, that is what Jesus does. 
That's what he does. He told us if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. True freedom comes through the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to just encourage you this morning, if there are things in your life that are holding you back, holding you down, tying you up, I want to tell you there is freedom for you in the Lord Jesus Christ. Today for you can be your day of independence free from the things that bind you, and free to serve God as you will. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Psychologists say there are three components to happiness. And psychologists say it, so it must be right. So psychologists say there are three components to happiness. Something to do, someone to love, and something to look forward to. So I want to remind you today, you're going to find your happiness fulfilled in Jesus. I just want to remind you of that. I want to remind you of that because this is a good day for us to remember that Christ is our life. This is a good day to remember what Jesus offers to us. Psalm 144 verse 15 says, joyful are those who live like this. Joyful are those whose God is the Lord. You're going to find those three things in Jesus. You'll find something to live for. You'll find someone to love. And you'll find something to look forward to. And then the signers of the Declaration of Independence, they, after they listed their complaints against the king, there came the Declaration of Independence and the closing affirmation. With a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. With a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence. A firm reliance on the protection of divine providence. They trusted God to protect them. And I want to tell you this today, or remind you of this. God can be trusted. God can be trusted. Psalm 121 verse 7 says, the Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. Thank God for an independent, free nation and our freedoms. But way more than that, thank God this morning for a Savior who loves us, for Christ who died for us, for a Savior who gives us purpose, and for a Heavenly Father who watches over us. Amen. All men are created equal. Hey, turn to the person either side of you and just say to them, we're equal. And then I want you to turn, turn to them again and say, 
Turn to them again and say, we're different. And if they said to you, thank God for that, you're in difficulty. Here's the point, folks. We as individuals created by God, created for God, loved by God, protected by God, are a blessed people this Sunday morning. Let today be a day. Let these final moments in our service be a time where we pause and acknowledge before God our glad dependence upon Him. Let's pray together.